of Jesus. Come on, somebody go ahead and let it loose. Hallelujah, go ahead and give God great praise. Come on, on a Wednesday night, somebody dance. I got victory. And it came by the hand of Jesus. Come on, I'm living victorious. And it was by the blood of the Lamb. Somebody lift him up. Hallelujah. Somebody dance in the face of the devil. In the, in the midst of everything you face, in the midst of every adversity that might be in your path, go ahead and dance on top of it and say it is the Lord that gives me victory. He gives me power to overcome. I give Him glory. Come on, let's love him. Let's love him in this house. God, we give you glory. We give you praise in this place. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, let's lift up our hands all across this house. I feel him in this building. Hallelujah. Come on. There's some people right now that say, well, I don't feel victorious. That's all right. Victory is not a feeling. It is, in fact, a reality that comes, amen, by what Jesus has already accomplished and what Jesus has already done. It might not look like it. It may not feel like it. But when Jesus makes it possible, it is a reality, and we give God praise in advance. Come on, somebody do that right now. In the midst of it all. Nevertheless, I'm going to give God praise in spite, regardless of it all. I give you glory and praise today. Hallelujah. Come on. You're going to have to excuse me. I feel the Holy Ghost in this house. You're going to have to excuse me. I feel Jesus moving. And God can do what you need done right now. Right now. That's it. The Holy Ghost is in this house. Somebody lift up your voice. Come on. When the pillow of fire moves, you move. When the cloud moves, you move. Whatever God wants to do right now, Jesus, you can operate in it. You can move. God, I want you to do your work, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. 
love you, Jesus. I love what I feel in the house of the Lord here tonight. There's nothing like coming to church and being in the presence of God together. Amen. I feel like this is a wonderful atmosphere to preach the word of God tonight. If you have your Bibles, the book of Leviticus chapter number nine and verse number six. Amen. I've been feeling to preach uh, this word for the last month and have not felt a release from God. But in prayer today, I felt that this is what God wants for us today. And I'm going to do my best to follow the Holy Ghost and uh, just move in Jesus. Amen. Leviticus chapter 9 and verse number 6. The Bible says, and Moses said, this is the thing which the Lord commanded that you should do. And the glory of the Lord shall appear unto you. When will it appear? After you do that which the Lord commanded you. Now here's the commandment. And Moses said unto Aaron, go unto the altar and offer thy sin offering and thy burnt offering. And make an atonement for thyself and for the people. And offer the, offer the offering for the, of the people and make an atonement for them as the Lord commanded. Aaron therefore went unto the altar and slew the calf of the sin offering, which was for himself. Everybody say it's for himself. And the sons of Aaron brought the blood unto him, and he dipped his finger in the blood and put it upon the horns of the altar and poured out the blood at the bottom of the altar skipping down to verse number 15 the Bible says and he brought the people's offering everybody say the people's offering and took the goat which was the sin offering for the people and slew it and offered it for sin as the first and he brought the burnt offering and offered it according to the manner and he brought the meat offering and took a hundred and handful thereof and burnt it upon the altar beside the burnt sacrifice of the morning. And he slew also the bullock and the ram for sacrifice of peace offerings, which was for the people. And Aaron's sons presented unto him the blood which he sprinkled upon the altar round about. The Bible says that he offered a sin offering which was for himself and then he went back to the altar and offered a sin offering and a peace offering which was for the people and tonight i want to preach to us for a few moments on this subject don't miss your altar call don't miss your altar call would you set down your bibles and let's lift up our hands and let's pray Come on, lift up your voice and let's seek him right now. I feel the presence of the Lord in this house. And God, I don't want to miss what you have for me. Come on, that's it. In the name of Jesus, somebody pray. Somebody call on the name of the Lord right now. Lord, I pray you touch this word, God. I pray that you'd help me to deliver it as you gave it, God. 
that we would not miss out on anything that you have for us, God. We want to receive all that the Lord will do tonight in Jesus' wonderful name. Hallelujah. Somebody clap your hands unto him and give him praise. Hallelujah. God bless you. You may be seated here tonight for a few moments. Don't miss your altar call. The Old Testament is a type and shadow of the New Testament. The Old Testament is not, the Bible says, the very image of the thing that we are to look towards. It is nothing more than a shadow of good things to come. In the Old Testament, we can learn a lot of things. The Bible says that the Old Testament was written for our learning and our admonition upon whom the ends of the world are come. Some people read the Old Testament and they don't understand it. But you'll never truly understand the Old Testament until you get filled with the Holy Ghost, which is the New Testament promise, amen, from Jesus that said, amen, that you have heard of me. What, what did they hear about? They had heard the Old Testament all of their life, but now he said, this is my blood of the New Testament, which is shed for many for the remission of sins. Amen. This Old Testament is nothing more than its best attempt to point us to Jesus. I know some people that they read the Bible and they think it's just a historical book. Some think it's a fictional book. But the true story of the Bible is it is a prophetic book. Amen. It is a prophetic book. That is not just pointing to end time events. Amen. It's not just pointing to the end of the world or the end of the age. But every promise and every prophecy is pointing us to Jesus. As the Bible would say that we are to look unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. When you read the Bible, you need to ask some questions. Where is Jesus in this verse? Because I promise he is hiding there. Amen. It might not come as a direct image that you can see. It's not a theophany. But if you look long enough, you're going to find Jesus in that Bible. Amen. He is, he is going to show us some things. The Old Testament is there for our learning. And I find something interesting in the Old Testament. In the Old Testament, we find three primary callings that arise. We see that there is a king, there is a prophet, and there is a priest. This is the Old Testament, and it is at its weakest trying to describe what Jesus really is to us. Amen. The Old Testament is weak in this regard, that, that it was never God's intention for three, these three offices to be divided. The king's job was to represent the people to the nations and to the rest of the world as king supreme and as the authority of the people of God. The prophet's job was to represent God to the people as the voice or the mouthpiece of God. And it was the priest's job to represent the people to God as a mediator between God and man. We see people in the Old Testament that try their best to step into these modes, and not all of them do it successfully. We find somebody by the name of Saul. He is the first king in Israel, and he does not wait for the prophet 
art for the priest. He begins to offer sacrifice. And it's from that moment that God rends the kingdom from his hands. Yet we see David, a type and shadow of the New Testament king by the name of Jesus, who shows up and he, he operates as the king of Israel. He represents a man that you might come to me with swords and spears, but I come to you in the name of the Lord. He was coming with the authority, though he did not have a crown on his head yet. He was coming with the authority as the king. Amen. And David stepped into that role as king. And then David, through the writing of his psalms, as he wrote what he thought were just songs and worship to the Lord, he began to step into the place of being in the prophetic. He began to prophesy of the crucifixion of Jesus Christ. David was now king, and David was now prophet. And then we see David that is entering into the temple. Amen. And, and he steps in there operating as priest, and he eats the table of showbread. He eats the bread off of there. And David, when he's running from Saul, he says, bring me an ephod. Bring me a priest's garment. This is why, amen, Jesus said that I will sit on the throne of David because David was the only Old Testament representation of king, of prophet, and of priest. What does that mean to us? That lets us know, amen, that Jesus is not going to come and only be the king over your life. Jesus is not only going to come, amen, there to prophesy about your future and give you hope and a future, amen, but also we see that there is one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus. Jesus is the king of kings. He's the king over your life. Jesus is the prophet that will speak a word and everything around you will begin to shift and line up with that word word and Jesus is the priest that will stand before God day and night amen as a lamb to the slaughter making intercession for us oh let's give God great praise here tonight come on I'm talking about your king your priest your prophet his name is Jesus when you have Jesus you don't need anybody else to represent you to the world you have a king, and that king, he stands in authority. Jesus would say, all power, all authority is given unto me both in heaven and in earth. You can stand before other kings and other potentates, but they've got to bow because of what? Not because of who you are, but because of whose you are. You are underneath the king. Amen. Jesus is our king. Jesus is our prophet. Jesus is our priest. In the New Testament, God has also called his church to be kings and priests. And through the power of the Holy Ghost, we're going to talk about this a lot next year. And through the power of the Holy Ghost, he has given unto us, amen, the ability to speak in other tongues and to prophesy. Amen. The priests had many tasks that they had to perform in the Old Testament. And I'm going to focus in primarily on the priesthood tonight. Amen. And how we can see where we stand and where Jesus stands. He had many tasks that he had to perform in the Old Testament. Their primary job was to mediate 
amen, for the, he was to mediate for the people before God. The people had sinned. They had made mistakes, and they could not approach God. Lest anybody tells you and says, well, I'm going to go to heaven because I'm a good person. That is not in the Bible. What in the Old Testament is not in the New Testament. Define good. Moral relativity, because you're better than somebody else that's bad. Define good. Define good. No, uh, that is not what's going to get you into heaven, being a good person. My Bible says that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. The Bible says that we have all sinned, every individual. There's not one person that has not sinned save Jesus Christ. And no one can claim their goodness. No one can claim their righteousness. Well, I'm a good person. I've, I've somehow arrived. Nobody can say that save Jesus. The people had sinned and they could not approach God. And so they needed a priest. The shadow of Jesus in the Old Testament can be seen through the priesthood. These priests would teach. They would anoint. They would cleanse. They would atone. They would sacrifice. And all of this was on behalf of the people. Amen. Everything that Jesus does for us, it is for our benefit. Well, Jesus, I don't exactly like what you're doing to me right now. If you looked at the Old Testament priests, uh, there was times they did things uh, and they removed stones from houses and clothing from houses and they removed it because there was leprosy. Uh, they anointed people that didn't feel like they were called. Uh, amen. They worked and they moved in ways uh, that maybe we didn't understand uh, and that's exactly what Jesus does for us. Jesus will cleanse you. Jesus will atone for you. Jesus will teach you. Jesus will sacrifice for you and be your sacrifice. And all of it is on behalf of the people. But there's something that we can learn from our text here today. That we, as the people of God, have been called a royal priesthood. We are a nation of kings, priests, and prophets. Amen. But tonight I'm going to focus on our calling as priests in the kingdom of God. We see in their text here today that the priests had two altar calls. Amen. In the second altar call, the priest is doing his duties just as we are used to seeing. He is bringing an offering for the sin of the people and for the peace of the people. The priest was representing the sinful people before a sinless, holy God. He brought the blood of the sacrifice to atone for the sins of the people and to stay the judgment of the Lord, amen, from the people that truly deserved it because all have sinned and all deserve the punishment of sin. That's why you need a priest. We are a royal priesthood according to the New Testament. And this is much like our altar calls. Right up here in the front, amen, although there is no blood of bulls and goats and there is no flame of fire, amen, we have an altar as the book of Hebrews would tell us. Amen, this area right up here, most people in our secular Christian world would call a stage because all it is is a performance, but not in the apostolic church. In the apostolic church, it is an altar. 
in this place, you can come to the altar and you can have your sins removed. When you come to the altar, you can get anointed. When you come to the altar, you can have, come on somebody, when you come to the altar, there can be cleansing. There can be atonement. There can be forgiveness. There can be blessings at this altar. Oh, somebody clap your hands and give him praise. Amen. We are here at this altar. We come every service. We pray for people. We pray with people. We are, interce- we are interceding on behalf of individuals because we are a kingdom of priests. Amen. And when we go to the altar, we are praying for individuals that are new, amen, to pray and to repent and to get right with the Lord. We go and we lay hands on people, amen, hoping to help them and to mediate, amen, through the power of the Holy Ghost and to intercede that the Lord would touch their heart and that it peradventure God would grant them repentance. We pray for others as priests. Amen. And there's other times where we are praying that individuals get peace from God during difficult times. Amen. You ever been in that kind of position where you didn't know how you're going to make it through, but you came to church and you went to the altar and somebody slid up next to you and laid hands on your shoulder and began to pray and you felt a strength that you didn't feel when you walked in the building. You had power that you did not have. Can I help you here today? We're a kingdom of priests. Amen. And that's what we're called to do. It only happens at an apostolic altar. You can go to religion after religion after religion and never feel it and never change. But when you come to an apostolic altar, we are fulfilling our priestly role and duty when we minister one to another in prayer. Oh, somebody clap your hands and give him praise. Come on, right now, there's going to be a moment where you get an opportunity to repent and other people are going to get an opportunity, amen, to reach forth and get peace in the midst of troubled waters. All of it happens at the altar. Oh, somebody lift up your hands and let's love him. Come on, you're not just walking to the front and just standing around. Amen, when you come to this altar, I want you to know there's fire. There's power. Amen, the Holy Ghost will meet you here. When you come to the altar, the sacrifice will be consumed. When you come to the altar, things will change. When you come to the altar, amen, God will start to make differences. Amen, in your mind. God can make a difference in your heart. Every task of the priesthood was for the benefit of the people. I want you to look, and every time you read your Bible, I love the book of Leviticus. It's actually one of the most intriguing verse, chapters and books in the Bible. Amen. I love to look through there because I see Jesus. I see his church. I see the ideal of what we're really supposed to be. Amen. I know there's things that confuse people. But when you look at the priests, all of their oblations, all of their offerings, all of their wave offerings, all of their sacrifices, all of their service, all of their garments. Amen. We're going to talk about that as well next year. All the way that they did things, the the, the particularities in which they did things. Amen. All of that was for the people. 
you look, every single thing that they did was to mediate for somebody else. Everything in that Bible, amen, the priests were doing it for the people. Everything except one, amen, every position, every offering, every sacrifice, every oblation, every wave offering, every heave offering, all of it was done for everyone else in the nation. It was done for everybody else. It was done for all of the people. Everything except one thing in your Bible. And that was the first altar call. I think we ought to lift up our hands and let's pray right now. Come on, let's pray. I'm not going to preach too long tonight. I think we're, we're, we're about to get there right now. Amen. Somebody's going to get it. Amen. You've gone to the altar for other people. You've helped other people. You have done for others. Amen. What you have yet to do for yourself. Amen. And today God has given you an opportunity. Today God's bringing you a word. Amen. About going to the altar. And it's your altar call. It's the, the altar call that's for you. Before the priest was any good to anybody else. Before the priest could petition on behalf of the people. Before he could make a difference in the life of somebody else. Before he could go to the altar for the people. Before he could offer any wave offerings. Before he could offer any oblations. Before he could make any sacrifices. Before he could make any other service for the people. God gave a commandment to the priest. And it's the only thing that the Bible says was for himself and for his household. Before the priest ever went to that second altar call which was to intercede for the people and to bless others God made a commandment that you're to go to the altar first for yourself you're to go first for yourself and as numbers would say it for yourself and for your household before you can ever go and truly serve other people you gotta find a prayer room you gotta find a prayer closet you gotta find an altar and it's not for somebody else it is for yourself. Oh, somebody love him. Come on, let's pray right now. In Jesus' name. Come on, it's a gift from God for yourself. It's a miracle from God for yourself. It's an ordinance forever in the priesthood that you go to the altar first for yourself. Come on, let's pray right now. Oh, let's pray. I feel Jesus in this house. Come on, there's some folks that are faithful to the second altar call, but they omit the first altar call. They're faithful to go and pray for everybody else, but they don't want to start with themselves. They want to fix everybody else, but they don't want to start right here at number one. And God is saying before you go and fix everything else, before you intercede for anybody else, as noble as that is, you've got to go to the altar for yourself and for your household. You've got to get things in order. He had to go to the altar before he could go and serve the people. Amen. I want to help us here today. 
I would rather you skip your position and skip your post and be in the prayer room and be in the altar and get a hold of God for yourself than serve everybody else and fall by the wayside. I'd rather have a church in the prayer room than people that are talented and got skills and abilities that go and they do everything for everybody else. As leaders, as Christians, we've got to make sure that we've got an altar experience before we try to give it to everybody else. We are ourselves have got to be filled with the Holy Ghost before we pray anybody else through. We've got to be submitted before we try to help somebody else be submitted. We've got to be givers before we compel other people to be givers. We've got to lead and not just follow. We've got to help people. Oh, somebody magnify him. Come on, let's praise him. Ain't nothing wrong with praying for yourself. Amen. Ain't nothing wrong with saving yourself. Ain't nothing wrong with recharging yourself. There's nothing wrong with healing yourself. There's nothing wrong with getting your blessing. Amen. When you do that, you become a blessing to everybody else. Don't forget to go to your altar call. Oh, somebody lift up your hands. Let's pray. I come to help. I've come to help somebody. Do not sacrifice yourself on somebody else's altar. Do not sacrifice your family on somebody else's altar. Do not lose out with God. Amen. To serve and help somebody else's altar. You've got to have one for yourself. It's got to be your altar first. I love God and I love his church. I love his people. I'm the most blessed man in the world to be able to serve as your pastor. Amen. But I want to help somebody. I am not going to sacrifice myself, my family, or my future children on your altar. you got to have an altar for yourself. Oh, somebody. I love everybody. I'll do everything I can. But if you don't get an altar for yourself, amen, you can't expect me to come and build one for you. You can't expect the usher to build one for you. You can't expect the Sunday school to build one for you. you you got to make sure you go to that altar that you built for you and do it for yourself. How many preachers have we seen fallen because they sacrifice themselves on the altars of other people's opinions? Because that person refused to get a prayer life. Because that person refused to be committed. Amen. I want to help you here today. We are going to be the people that live this Bible according to the Bible. Amen. The Bible says that before you are ever any good to offer sacrifice for the people, every priest had to go in and to that altar for himself. Numbers would say that no one was allowed to be in that altar when he was going in the first time it had to be him by himself what am I preaching you got to have a prayer life that is not relying on somebody else that's not relying on the on nice music in the background you got to have a prayer life that says God I'm going to get a hold of you and no one else has to be around I'm going to go to the altar first for myself and for my household some people want to be noble But you are no good to anybody else if you are no good to yourself. Ministry is an outgrowth of personal devotion. It is the overflow of a personal altar. If your life is not in order, you cannot bring order to somebody else's life. We do not need 
another parking lot prophet to come by and whisper in somebody's ears and begin to tell them what thus saith the Lord when thus saith the Lord can't come into their ears. We do not need another preacher that is not submitted. We do not need another singer that does not pray. What we need is people that go to the first altar call. It's for themselves and they get a hold of God. That's what we really need. Amen. We've got to take care of ourselves before the Lord. The biblical model is this. It was never, Abraham, you are a blessing. Help somebody. That's not in your Bible. He said, Abraham, you are blessed to be a blessing. You cannot give to others what you yourself do not possess. That's why Peter and John said, silver and gold have we none, but such as we have. We've got to have before we can give. It's got to be internally there before we can externally demonstrate and give it away. Amen. There's people that would say, well, I've got this and I've got that. And one day Jesus says, he'll look at them. And they said, did we not do many mighty miracles in your name? Amen. But they missed the first altar call. They missed the altar call that was for them. They preached great messages. They sang great solos. They served in different capacities. And Jesus will look at them and say, depart from me. I never knew you. Why? They got to the second altar, but they skipped the first altar. They were serving the people, but they weren't. Oh, come on. They weren't serving God. You can serve the people and not serve God. Or you can serve God and serve the people. You're blessed to be a blessing. It starts with your altar call. Let's stand across the building. Come on right there. We're going to pray. Come on, we've already, we've already determined we're going to be a church that goes and prays for other people. That's not a problem. Amen. But we cannot allow ourselves to be of those that pray for everybody else, that work the altars for everybody else. But we are lost. Oh, somebody pray. Somebody pray. We cannot afford to say, Pastor, that was a great message for somebody else. That worship, that song was awesome for somebody else. Oh, you really got them. Please, that's never my desire as a pastor to get anybody. I preach what God puts on my heart, not what gets on my nerves. Hard to do sometimes. But this is where we get dysfunctional Pentecost. Parking lot prophets. People that aren't submitted to, to God or to a pastor. And they float around thinking they can do whatever they want. They got it twisted. They went to the second altar, but they skipped the first. But the second altar is only as good as the first altar. Your ability to be used of God and serve in the kingdom of God is only going to be as efficient as that altar in the, number, in the, first, in the first place, the first altar call. Let me help somebody here tonight. You are your responsibility. Turn to your neighbor and say, I am my responsibility. You can't deflect and blame other people. You are your responsibility. That first altar call was not the people's responsibility. It was the priest's. So many people think that my responsibility is everybody else's problems. 
And thank God if you've got enough left over after the first altar call that you can help other people, that's awesome. That's a ministry. That's an outflow and an, uh, an outgrowth and an overflow. That's what ministry is. Uh, but if you have not taken care of you, uh, amen, your consecration uh, is your responsibility. Uh, my feelings uh, are not your responsibility. Uh, they're my responsibility. Uh, my mind is not your responsibility. Uh, my mind is my responsibility. Uh, my ministry is not your responsibility. Uh, it's my responsibility. Uh, I'm not going to shirk it off to somebody else. Uh, I'm not going to say it's everybody else's problem. Uh, I'm going to get myself in order. And as God heals me, I can heal others. Uh, as God blesses me, I can bless others. Uh, as God works on me, I can work on others. Uh, I've got to start uh, with the first altar call. I know Corona's throwing it through a loop, and I've said this before. If you've got health conditions, I'm not talking to you. But I believe everyone can have an altar, a personal altar. Well, Pastor, I didn't like that message. That's all right. Hit that altar anyway. Start with number one and pray and say, God, what are you trying to say to me? Oh, Pastor, that was so good for that person. No, 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 no. What is God trying to say? to me. Turn around in your seat uh, and you can pray there. What are you doing? You're saying, I'm not going to miss my altar call. Amen. I might miss your altar call uh, and God forgive me if I do, but I would rather miss your altar call than miss my altar call. I would rather not be like Esau. Amen. That he could not find a place of repentance. He could not find an altar. Why? Because when the altar call came, uh, he missed his altar call. Why? Because he had a root of bitterness. He was so consumed with all these other problems. He missed it and the Bible says he sought after it with bitter tears and he could not find it. Why? Because he was all over there working on the hunt. He was working, amen, trying to bring venison to his family, trying to do all these other things. But when it came to a personal relationship with God, he missed it. You can get burned out serving the church, but you'll never get burned out serving God. We can get burned out serving people, but we will never get burned out serving God. In fact, it was on holy ground that there was a burning bush, and the powerful thing about it is on holy ground. Amen. There was a bush that was not consumed. All of the fires and all of the ground was burned, but on holy ground. Amen. My Bible says that they that wait, they that serve the Lord, shall renew their strength. When you serve people, they train you. When you serve this uh, this different idea it'll train you but when you say Lord everything I do in word or deed I'm doing it through the first altar call I'm doing it as unto the Lord you'll never burn out you'll never run out you'll never run dry but what we got to do is we got to leave that second altar and sometimes we got to go back to that first altar and say Lord maybe I missed it the first time but I'm going to get it and I'm not going to miss my altar call somebody pray right now come on let's pray right now in the name of Jesus I'm done preaching come on that altar was for himself and for his household come on before you want to help anybody else you got to help yourself amen before you help anybody else you got to get things in your house in order you got to get things in your life in order you need to let god move in your world
I want to open up this altar. Would you come? Maybe, maybe your altar is going to be at your seat, uh, but would you turn around right where you are in your seat and begin to pray and say, Lord, what do you have for me in this? Uh, amen. I'm not going to take the speck out of somebody else's eye. Uh, God, where's the beam in my eye? Uh, God, at what level do you want me? Uh, amen. Where are you trying to move me? Where are you trying to move on me? Uh, amen. What things do I got to change? Come on, that's it right now. Come on, that's it. Somebody pray. Don't miss your altar call. You can miss my altar call, but don't miss yours. You can miss your brother's altar call, but don't miss yours. You can miss your friend's altar call, but don't miss yours. Pray, pray, pray. Come on, there's a blessing in this altar right now. And as he blesses you, you're going to be able to bless somebody else. As he heals you, you're going to be able to heal somebody else. As he favors you, you're going to be able to have enough to and to spare. Somebody pray right now. What are you doing right now? I'm a priest in God's kingdom, and I'm taking care of my altar. I'm taking care of my altar right now. It's for myself and for my family. I'm getting my life in order. I'm getting my stuff taken care of. Amen. So that God can use me for other people too.
it. Somebody's building an altar for themselves and for their family. It's the only way you're going to be saved. It's the only way you can truly be used of God. Build an altar for yourself.